Welcome, welcome to the Social Living Podcast. I am your host, Julian Green. I have my co-host here, Jamal Lawrence. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm cold. I'm in a little shed at the moment, but yeah, I'm, I'm all right. I'm good. That's good, man. I see we're, we're kind of matching with the brown. It's brown in season. Like you're the fashion guy, is it? Or being yeah, it is, man. It must be. I know I'm being, <laughs> being mentioned this on the last show. But, yeah, somehow we always end up matching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good, man. It works. It works. It's, it's no, spontaneous it as well because it's not like we planned this. Mm. But it, it, it works, isn't it? So we have to make it on. make it part of the branding. We have to change our icons. Trust me. Yeah, we do. We change the outfits every week. Mm. Top left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How are you anyway? Yeah, man, I'm not too bad, you know, not too bad. Uh, I mentioned last week I got a lot of changes in terms of work. Um, so I'm just still kind of going through that. Um, but yeah, other than that, like, life is good, man. Enjoying enjoying what I'm doing at the moment. Looking for my next opportunity as well. Um, looking to grow more and more. So yeah, man, just take it every day as it comes, you know. Mm. What about you? How's, uh, how's life at work? Yeah, work's been hectic. It's been real busy. Um, a lot of like meetings, a lot of calls, mm-hmm. a lot of strategic conversations, which has been good to be a part of because I've not been a part of these before. So progression, but um, yeah, busy at the same time. So yeah, can't no, it's good, man. It's good for you. It's just that, especially that exposure. And I don't know we spoke about it off, off air. Um, that exposure, being able to be talking confidently, be seen as a leader, is good. It can only enhance your career. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, that is good, man. We've had um. We got some big news this week. Uh, sad news in that. Um, uh, just the fact that, you know, Jamal Edwards, the the founder of SBTV, Smokey Bars TV, um, uh, passed away quite suddenly. Uh, um, uh, I know his mom came out with a statement saying that he died of a sudden illness. Um, so I guess from us, we don't really know any more than that. Um, but yeah, so just another one from the industry, from the na- from the the scene, uh, gone too soon. Mm. Uh, um, I don't know. Do you have any memories or first memories of Jamal Edwards that like you may have come across him? Or yeah, I guess that, like most people, he was kind of my introduction to the music scene when I was probably like twelve, thirteen, maybe a bit under thirteen, older, thirteen, fourteen. Um, with his uh, F64s and freestyles and artists like Lady Leisha breaking through, Ed Sheeran, Devlin, Professor Green, like all these guys were, were my experience into grime. And yeah, he was kind of the trailblazer for that. I know it's been interesting and good to see like, all the comments from the industry folks that have kind of spoken on on their experiences with him and, and the way he's pushed them to create channels like Jerome Daily and Link Up TV and yeah. how he's been like the catalyst and inspiration for that. Even Stephen Bartlett said the same thing. Like without him, he might have not been as driven to to make his agency and, and, and stuff like that. So yeah, massive, massive figure in the game and yeah, it's sad to see him go. Yeah, no, big time and like um I, I i heard about him like as a person before i ever met him i met him one time um and i think as a person like what everybody is saying now in terms of like such a genuine person was willing to go out 2 a.m 3 a.m 
in the morning to like shoot their music videos. I remember this is back when I was um, on the scene in a sense, doing loads of events, acoustic events and stuff like that. And um, there was a, a rapper that we were connected to that we were, I guess, trying to sign at the time. I don't know who we thought we were. Um, and he was, he was, uh, I guess, he, he was nobody big. He just had a few freestyles on SBTV. And he just told us that, like, yeah, he always had him on the phone, always, like, wanting him to do another freestyle. Let's do the next F64, you know, all these different types of things. But he was very, very positive, very um, motivating, encouraging. And, uh, you know, it was, like, almost selfless. Mm. Um, I didn't know him that way, but that, that's what was told to me. And that was, like, over 10 years ago. Um, so like to hear like what everybody's saying now, it's like, because someone else has already told me that 10 years ago, it's like, yeah, that's true about this person. Mm. I do feel like it is a bit of a shame that like, um, all these outpours and, you know, us giving people their flowers once they've died is a bit sad, isn't it? Like, cause he was here and, you know, there were times where I guess the, the page, like you, like. Graham Daly and Link Up TV almost kind of surpassed SBTV in the terms of numbers and what where rappers were doing their music videos and stuff like that. Mm. And um, it would have been it would have been it would have been an amazing thing if rappers could have like gave back to him in that way for his page, you know, and just you know drop them, you know, drop SBTV something as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it would add more credit to, I guess, what they're saying now. But uh, obviously, it is a it is a Sad moment uh, for the scene, the grime scene. Every artist I knew from the grime scene, I I, I probably checked them out on SBTV first. Um, so hands down, one of like my, my grime playlist is down to like Jamal Edwards. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, even my only encounter with him is a weird one because uh, I was at a festival, first ever festival I ever went to. Uh, this was in 2019. I went to Lovebox. Uh, some may say it's like a cheesy festival, but for a first festival for me, it was amazing. Didn't have to camp nowhere. Not, mm. like, it's nothing like that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like Jay Huss was there. I think Jay Huss brought out Dave and then Two Chains was there. And it was amazing. But um, specifically, I was in the crowd. I had the I actually took some clients there and we were we had like VIP tickets. Um, so you could enjoy it from like a, a, from a good angle, but I decided to go into the crowd because two two chains was playing J Huss. I'm like, I want to be in the vibe. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And then it was crazy because everyone, it was such a friendly vibe, and there was like a, a group of us that were didn't know each other or anything, but we were all on the same page when it came to the music. So it's like we're loving it right now. And next minute, like I think two chains dropped one of his songs. And it just went off and everyone's like jumping on each other. The next minute, like I'm looking behind me and it's Jamal Edwards. I was like, no, nah, this is mad. Like, <laughs> and he was just in the crowd, like with us. And I was like, I had to say something. I was like, yo, respect your thing. Like, love what you're doing and everything. And then he was like, love, bro, love, bro. And then he was just like back in the crowd again. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And, then, and then like every time he kind of crossed paths throughout the festival, it was always like, yo, yo, yo. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it was just like, that was my only encounter with him. And it it just felt genuine. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like what everybody's saying, what everybody's saying about him, I can just second that. Do you know what I mean? 
So, um, yeah, man, I guess rest in peace, rest in eternal peace, mm. um, Jamal Edwards, man, big you up. And if you don't know about him, definitely go out on YouTube, check uh, SBTV and, you know, learn about some of the UK gram scene, hip hop scene, um, and you'll see the development and you'll even see artists that are like, they might not even be doing music anymore right now. And they had their moment in time whether it was like 10 years ago, five years ago, whatever it is, um, people that was on The Voice and stuff like that. Like, they had, he had some good musical talents on mm. TV. So, yeah, man, we just have to, yeah, man, give him his flowers. Um, yeah, and, and let's try and, and, moving forward, let's try and give people their flowers whilst they're here. And um, it's a great way to do that today in, in with our special guest. Um, sure. I don't know, do you want to? Do you want to do the honours? I guess, yeah. Let me give you a nice introduction. So, um, yeah, today we've got a guest who I've kind of personally witnessed her journey. Um, she's my partner in crime. So I've witnessed her go through the transition of working as traditional nine to five to making a career within bacon. So, yeah, it's been it's been great to like, witness her that firsthand. And I guess we've got her to kind of tell her story uh, for herself. So without further ado... Nice. Welcome to the Hashtag Living podcast. Hello. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> You're very welcome, man. You're very welcome. Thank you again, I guess. Thank you for coming onto the show. Um, I, I believe this is your, your first appearance on a podcast. Yes, I've been very yeah. nervous about it. <laughs> don't be, don't be, don't be, don't be. Um, you're with two people that you know. No, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you, you should be, you should feel at home. So, uh, you know, you've achieved some big things and we just want to get to know you and we don't want to share your story and give you your flowers whilst you are here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, man, I don't know, Jam, I don't think you should uh, let's, let's start off. Yeah. I guess we can go back to the early days. I say the early days, but... Where it started. Where, yeah, where you started, but not in terms of business, but in terms of just career-wise and like kind of what you've done after school and we can kind of build it up yeah. from there. So obviously when I left school, I I was always not against university, but I think for this, well, my generation specifically, university was kind of the only thing. I don't know, apprenticeships were quite old school, but I always kind of knew like, I don't know, university wasn't for me. I was never really typically ac- academic. So I always kind of knew, yeah, I wouldn't enjoy that. So. I had a traineeship in housing. Um, it was a nine to five. I I did do a course alongside it, but it wasn't, you know, the typical university style. You kind of worked well, did it alongside your job. So, yeah, that was interesting. Um, so I was put in quite a difficult role at a young age. So I was working nine to five from, well, 17. Um, whereas most of my friends had gone off to university and were, you know, doing freshers, partying. But, um, yeah, I just kind of knew the nine-to-five straight away wasn't for me. Um, From then, I was always looking for little outlets. I know Jamal can probably vouch for it. But, yeah, I was always looking for things that I could do alongside it or just to keep me stimulated outside of the role because it was quite a high pressured role I was working um I don't think many people know what 
people do within social housing but it was quite intense um you know chasing people for rent and you know knocking on their door asking them for money at 17. Yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. quite scary I was going off to court and doing court cases standing in front of a judge um and yeah it just ended up getting me quite down I guess um I was seeing like people I went to school with enjoying life at university obviously I know it is stressful but I just kind of knew it wasn't for me so I ended up leaving that job going to get another nine to five but training as a personal trainer alongside it because I'd found this love for fitness um while I was working there and I thought right if I can just leave this you know stressful job and at least earn money alongside training as a personal trainer in a less demanding role I might be a bit happier mm. um so yeah that that's what happened so I was in that initial role for two and a half years um and then I went to work in HR um three months into that job I found out I was pregnant <laughs> so that was a massive shock me and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like what are we gonna do but um yeah so I still had the aims of like going and being a personal trainer at that point because I was doing the course um so once we found out we were pregnant I obviously told our family um I'd only been in that role at my new job in HR for about three months so I was a bit scared because I didn't know how it worked with like maternity leave and didn't know if we'd what if I'd receive anything thankfully I think I was like a month over the threshold to receive maternity pay so that was lucky um but again I kind of knew three months into that job I was already looking for something else mm. and I'd, I'd I was going to say just quickly, so I want to take it back a couple of steps um, because I think you mentioned some really important things. So you you already mentioned that, you know, university wasn't for you. Mm -hmm. uh, you started the nine to five at 17. That's really young to be doing a nine to five. Yeah. I think personally. Um, can you just like break that down a little bit in terms of like your mindset and maybe how you were feeling at that time in comparison to like, your friends who were like doing like their friends and stuff like like yeah. were you like financially did you feel like very stable uh in comparison to, to, to your like friends did you feel like you maybe you couldn't go out as much like like what was your lifestyle like at that time well at that time obviously I was with Jamal so I was in relationships so you know that's like you're kind of in your own little bubble um yeah. but again yeah it was it was difficult because as you probably know you been to university once they go off they make new friends so I was still in the same city but again yeah I wasn't able to experience as much because I was working nine to five I was doing a it was a really intense job to the point where I think it had a really big impact on my mental health at that point because I was going home on a Friday you know you you work all this week and you just look forward to Friday and I just wasn't happy in the job anyway um and then it would get to like Sunday night and I'd just be dreading going to work on a Monday. So on the weekend, I'd like just, you know, seclude myself because I was just dreading going back to work on Monday. So yeah, I was watching my friends like partying and I just didn't want to do anything because I was just dreading that next week. Um, and yeah, it was nice to have, you know, a bit of a better income, but again, it, it wasn't anything amazing considered how much stress I was being put through so I think at that point is when I realized 
is this really worth it? Like I had a really, and again, Jamal can tell you, I had a really long battle with myself. Do I leave? Do I stay? Because I was obviously doing the course, but I think in the end, it just comes down to your, your mental health, doesn't it? Because if you're that miserable and you're dreading every week, the day before a Monday, it's just not worth it. So yeah, it wasn't a great time. Um, I had, you know, some serious talks with my parents as well because they were quite worried about me because I'd missed missed the opportunity in their eyes to go to university. I knew in the back of my head, I'm still 19, I can go to university, but their, their, their mindset's different. But yeah, it just was, I just wasn't in a great place. Um, so yeah, at, at that point, I'd found quite a love for fitness, which is when I'd decided to do a personal training course. Um, but I thought whilst I'm in this role, I just, my mental health isn't in the place to be doing um, something fitness related. Because if you're not mentally happy, how can you be physically happy, well, physically fit, if you know what I mean? Um, so I thought if I can just go and find like a basic nine to five that I can just work Monday to Friday not stress about it on the weekend I can really put my all into the personal training um so yeah that's how I kind of got there and what made me realize I wasn't happy so and and when you went into that transition into your new job like mm. did you did you just quit and then went looking for a job or did you have that yeah. job lined up so I literally remember having a conversation with my manager at the time because um, I was really scared to go in. I'd had like a pep talk with my dad the night before um, and he's always been really supportive of me. My mum's a bit different. She's, I don't know, a lot more traditional. So she was a bit sceptical about me leaving because I was doing a, um, it was a foundation degree with the company. So I knew I'd have to pay part of that back um, if I was to leave. But yeah, in the end, I was just like, if I have to, you know, set up a payment plan, if it's worth me being happy. So I remember the conversation. At this point, I didn't have a job lined up. Um, I'd been looking and I'd been applying, but I was kind of at the point if, you know, if I have to go and work in retail for a few months, I'll do it. So, yeah, I remember having the conversation. Um, and for like a 19-year-old and telling your manager you hate your job, it was really nerve-wracking but you know they were really accepting and they kind of just said well she she kind of spoke to me on more of a personal level which was nice I remember the conversation you know she she told me if you're not happy like why put yourself through this so yeah I kind of handed my notice in but there wasn't a specific time frame she just said once you find something let me know and we can do it formally so that was really nice to have a manager who could connect with you on a just a bit more of a personal level um that really helped so yeah luckily I was able to find a job in HR within like four weeks and I was off <laughs> pretty yeah, much. Good. It was strong, yeah I was gonna huh? say like strong emotions to go through at such a young age it was it was it was really difficult um because you you think it's like the be all and end all I mm. look back now and I realize like oh gosh it really wasn't that deep but <laughs> at the time it was like the worst thing in the world mm. um, i guess yeah like you said you look back on it and you you, you do gain something from these, these yeah, times definitely, like definitely. resilience and and finding your feet yeah the job itself changed me as a person because i was really in school i was quite i still am to some extent but a real introvert um so to go into a job where you've got a 
chase people for rent and deal with antisocial behavior and take them to court it just puts you out your shell immediately so yeah I, I did learn a lot from that role I just think mentally it, it was really difficult at such a young age mm, um, sure. and how long were you doing that role for again was that was that two years two two and a half years yeah, yeah, yeah. so would you say it was quite taxing on your mental health throughout that whole time or um so until I was actually, so I was a housing officer, so that was my job role, or trainee housing officer, but for the first six months, I was just doing admin, so that was my introduction, um, and then they gave me, so we'd have like our own patch of properties that we looked after, so I think it was about six months in, they gave my own patch, again, I just think it was way too soon, like the housing officers I was working alongside had well, again, another thing was I wasn't working with anyone my age. People were twice my age and they'd been in the job for years. So they'd never had a trainee before either, which I don't think helped. They didn't really know how to maneuver the role. Um, so, yeah, I'd say maybe about three months since having my own patch. That's when I really noticed a change in myself. Mm. It wasn't, yeah, I just wasn't happy. Mm. Mm. Now I'm just trying to figure out the time it took you from like once you realized mm. until like once you kind of took that step into that next direction. Um, yeah. Because I know like um I, I probably say this every every episode, Stephen Bartlett's <laughs> podcast. Um <laughs> Stephen Bartlett likes to talk about like quitting as soon as you know. Do you know what mm. I mean? Yeah. As soon, yeah. as soon as you're aware that this isn't going to be it for me or this is extremely taxing you just kind of quit it before you kind of get stuck in kind of accepting it yeah so. I think yeah I think for me because again come I always come back to my parents but they're very you know they just suck it out that was it like my mum's very stick it out you know if after five years you really hate it oh, yeah. you'll see it then but to them it was like look people aren't happy at work you know you go to work to earn a living so to me I when you live at home that's drilled into you I just kind of kept putting it to the back of my mind it's only until I had those you know difficult conversations with myself and Jamal it was like yeah this isn't this not okay which I really love about our generation now is we're, we're finding other outlets to make money and yeah I guess that would lead on to where I am but you yeah, really yeah. have to be miserable every day to make a living. Mm. Well, I think, yeah, I think it's important about, obviously you can have conversations with family, friends, but ultimately it comes down to you. Like, just mm. having those, like you said, those conversations with yourself, understanding what you actually truly want and then acting upon that. Like, obviously mm -hmm. you can get opinions from different people, but it's your life. You have to kind of take control of that. And that, yeah, that's what yeah. you've done. Yeah. So kind of moving on, so like you transition, now you're working in HR. Mm -hmm. um, so you're on your second nine to five job and you're still what, only 19 years old. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you're doing your, your, your PT course or personal training course on the side. So like, you know, talk us through maybe your first you know, couple months um, doing that. Yeah, so I'd actually just, I think I'd just turned 20 actually at that point. Um, 20, yeah, so I'd just gone into the HR role it was really refreshing for me because I've actually met some of my best friends there now but it was just like a younger crowd um so 
I know it sounds silly, but in my last job, I just wasn't happy again because lunch times, I wouldn't have, you know, sometimes you have those people you can go off and vent to. I never had that because everyone was a lot older than me, so I couldn't relate. Um, so this job, it was quite refreshing just to have some, like, girls my age. So, again, the job wasn't brilliant. Um, it was nowhere near as stressful. It was more I couldn't find the balance because it wasn't as stimulating. It was basically just like a HR admin job. So instead of going home on a like Friday and dreading work, I was more dreading work because I knew I'd be bored all week kind of thing. So there was no like happy medium. Yeah. But it was nice because I had I had like people there I could enjoy the work life with or vent to and so that was a bit more refreshing. Um but again I just I wasn't I wasn't stimulated. I, I couldn't it was weird because I'd like go home and I'd try and do the PT course but where I was focusing so much on trying to find another job to earn a living I couldn't put my all into that mm. um it's just yeah I was just trying to find the balance but again at that point I just kind of knew nine to five I just I didn't want it so that's why I had the PT course to kind of keep me focused um I hopefully knew eventually that I'd be able to go on and do that um actually at that point I'd started my own youtube channel so it didn't really go anywhere at all but it was just kind of having that like outlet for me um just to just to focus on when i got home from work so and like i'd focus on my instagram account knowing that hopefully once i'm in a position and i'm qualified i could have that there as a as a foundation but yeah three months in i found out i was pregnant um and that's where it all kind of changed, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you know you said some good things there, man. Because like, obviously, I, I I mentor kids um, between the ages of like fourteen and eighteen, and mm. um, a lot of them feel like they don't know what they want to do and and things like that. And yeah. your story right there, even what you just shared so far, it, I think is really important because you've gone, you know, you have like this nine to five, and you know that's just not it and mm. you still went home and tried to stimulate yourself which could just lead to different opportunities so you, you did a youtube channel um you did your pt course you just tried different things yeah. not knowing if it was going to be like long term or anything yeah. you just tried it and you just wanted to see okay where where would this go this is just an outlet that's all it was for you mm. yeah. and um I, i'm sure as we as we kind of go on it will probably lead to more more opportunities so so you're now what 20 mm -hmm. um working in hr it's you like the environment but you don't like the uh, itself, yeah 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 exactly and now you you've been given a blessing of having a baby which was obviously uh unplanned so mm -hmm. how how did you take that one yeah that was a bit mad <laughs> <laughs> um yes obviously we found out and I was, it was weird, although it was unplanned, I just knew that we'd be okay. Mm -hmm. um, I'd actually be more scared now if I was pregnant <laughs> than yeah. what we were back then. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's weird because I look back now and we were so young, but to, to us, we just knew we were ready. I mean, we'd been together five years. Um, most people looked at us as, you know, two 16 year olds that got together and we're somehow still in this relationship but I just always knew we'd, we'd be okay um so yeah I remember having the conversation with my manager 
I told her really early because I was just I didn't know how to I'd never done this before obviously so I didn't know when you were supposed to tell people um so yeah I remember like saying to her I'm, I'm pregnant um will I be entitled to anything that's literally the first thing I said and she said no don't worry about it we'll sort it out so at that point I knew I had to stay in the job um I didn't have no choice because I was actually looking at that point for something else mm. so yeah um again I knew yeah it was just a really crazy time when I think back to it did the pregnancy at all like change your outlook on work and like what you wanted to do like at that point was you um, I knew it would obviously affect personal training. I, I was at that point. I was trying to think of ways I could incorporate it into being a mum. So I thought about, oh, maybe I could do, you know, mum to be classes or get like after, like I don't know, um, postpartum women into like classes. But again, I think I was a bit naive because. I didn't know how I would complete the course being pregnant because I'd never been pregnant before. And when I suffered with morning sickness and not wanting to go to the gym, it kind of completely threw me off track. But yeah, it, at, at that point when I found out, no, I, I thought I can still do this. Like mm. people, people get on with it. But it was only like halfway through the pregnancy. I realized I was probably not going to be able to do it as quickly as I thought. Um, yeah, it was it was the did, job more than anything. Did you complete the the personal training course in the end? No. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what I do to this day. <laughs> no, is, it still, I, is, it, is it still something you might want to complete? I don't know. Probably not now. No. <laughs> I think I got like halfway through, and I was I was too sick in the end. I thought I can't do this, but okay, yeah. Cool. Okay, cool. So obviously you went through the 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 I guess the obstacles of being a mum. Uh, going through the things like morning sickness, hormones, yeah. all those different things. We don't need to go into any details about that, but just to kind of set the scene. So now, um, let's say you've you've given birth, you you're you're receiving uh, your maternity pay. Um, like, how long were you expecting to like take off work? Like, when like after after um, your son was born, yeah. like how long did you think you're gonna you know wait until you kind of go back to work? Yeah, so I knew I'd be entitled to something for nine months. Um, and we kind of worked out we could we could live off that. So I'd set that, like, initial time frame. Amazing if we were able to take a year, but I kind of realistically knew a year wasn't going to be possible. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where the baking career started, I guess. So I was – I just had my son, Elias, and – I know some mums are probably going to like scream at me for this, but he'd just been born. It was about two weeks in. And I was just really bored. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, was, I was living in the Forest of Dean. Not many people are going to know what that is, but there's not a lot going on. Um, I didn't really have any other friends who had children. Um, again, being quite a young parent, I didn't really put myself in those positions to go to like mum, mummy classes or anything. So yeah, I was just a bit bored. Um, which is when I started baking. I actually started doing a bit of baking on maternity leave. I don't know if Jamal remembers, but yeah, remember. like come home and there'd be like a lemon drizzle cake because I was like, <laughs> I don't know, I just didn't have nothing to do. Um, I was actually like quite blessed within the end of my pregnancy because I felt fine. I didn't really suffer with anything. So yeah, 
um, when Elias was born, I just I just started baking. Um, I'd really got into Instagram as well, like finding other bakers, and I don't know. I just kind of found a bit of a hobby, I guess. Um, so yeah, I was I was baking for like Jamal, my family, and then I ended up. Um, well, I'd found this these like cookies on Instagram, so they were like deep dish cookies. And I remember saying to Jamal, like, oh, I've got to learn how to make these. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I just had it in my brain. Like, I have to make them. I didn't know how people were making them. I didn't know how they were getting the shape. Um, and I ended up doing it one day when he was at work and Elias was asleep. And I'd taken all these photos and I'd done all these different flavors. And I was just so happy because I'd found out how to do it. And I'm still not going to tell people because they always ask me. And I'm like, no, I'm not letting anyone into this secret. <laughs> um, yeah so I'd like made these cookies and we were going to visit a friend that weekend um and taking them with me and she ended up putting them on her Instagram and at this point I kind of had like a little Instagram page that I'd made out of like boredom and I was just posting my bake so it was more like a blog than anything like something I'd made today or me baking or my stories um this was all while like Elias would be napping or asleep this is, um, is pre-pandemic right yeah yeah so this is probably i don't know when it when the pandemic really started it was about march wasn't it yeah 2020 march, yeah, yeah yeah so this was probably like january december january um yeah december mm. january 2019 2020 um and i think it was in the, de the december that i had taken these cookies to a friend and she put them on her instagram and she tells me she like she got loads of hype over them so I wasn't expecting it I was just kind of like giving them to her because I'd made them and I remember getting my first like DM and someone was asking me if they could buy them and at that point I I didn't know what I was doing I remember that like, I was sitting with Jamal I was like someone's asked to buy them like what do I do <laughs> um yeah so that that was just crazy like I ne even that I never expected I was just kind of doing it for fun so yeah I, I can't really I think it was just the one person um but I was going away that weekend the weekend the girl had asked to buy them and I said to Jamal like, I can't do it he was like you have to do it you know if you don't do it like you're missing out on an opportunity and in my head I thought I don't I didn't really want like an opportunity I was just doing it for fun um and he actually ended up delivering them for me so he drove from the forest to Cheltenham which is about 45 minutes delivered these cookies that I'd like made and sealed they look really bad when I look back on it now but because I, I remember I remember that day I remember walking up and down some trying to find the house, there, to find the house yeah. <laughs> yeah so I'd gone on holiday with my parents and I remember my mum saying just leave it you know you'll get more people interested and I just I just thought no I can't like this this could be it like if she gets them she'll tell somebody else so I thought no I have to take the opportunity and yeah she did she told her best friend I think she put it on her Instagram um and tagged me and then all of a sudden I got like all these followers I was like, oh my god like my page doesn't even look ready but <laughs> I think I think that's the thing isn't it like you kind of tell yourself that you have to be perfect before you've even begun and that's one thing I've learned like you really don't yeah I think that's I think people get caught up and trying to perfect it will be the end goal especially when you start comparing yourself to other people on instagram yeah. want to be where the established people are be but they started from somewhere as well 
So it's okay like to start and not be perfect in where you want to be because you can get there and it's and I think it, it's better because you can almost take like your audience along the journey as well. They get mm-hmm. to see it from the start, from the basic days where cookies are dry and packaging's falling apart or whatever it might be to, to where it is now. And you get to build that community alongside it as well, which is yeah. equally as important. Yeah, people buy into you that way, innit? They want to see the story of like where it first started. Like it'd be good to know, like, so, when you first started, did, what was your page called? Was it, was it, what is it? What it, I is think it, it was, now? yeah, initially it was Bakes by Tea. Okay. And then I changed it. I can't remember why, but I changed it to Treats by Tea. And since then, so pretty much from the start, it's been Treats by Tea. Um, yeah, my logo was completely different. I Initially, I'd, I'm, I'd made like my own logo on, I think it was like Canva or something. And then I ended up having a logo, which was like an illustration of me um and that's that's when it really started to kick off and then obviously the pandemic hit um so yeah I'd, I'd sold obviously my first lot of cookies to this one customer and she posted about it and then Jamal kind of said to me like why didn't you do a giveaway at this point I didn't know what giveaways were I was like okay I'll give it a go and it, it just blew up really for me it blew up it considering I had like 15 followers I think I gained like 200 in a day um and it just kind of like spiraled from there really and then it was around February I think we started first hearing about COVID and we were just about to buy a house um luckily before the pandemic hit, I think it was like the day they stopped house moves. We moved, didn't we? Yeah. At that point, I was I didn't have loads. I think I'd done my first um, like lot of orders. So like the weekend before we moved, I'd done some deliveries around Gloucester. So I started advertising um, just to say like I was doing cookies I could deliver to your door. So we'd go out on a Saturday morning with Elias in the back in the car seat and like do random drop-offs around Gloucester. And yeah, at this point, people were a bit scared to go out their houses anyway. So it was perfect. You know, they could get cookies delivered to the door. So yeah, that's kind of where it all kicked off. Um, so would you say the demand kind of grew even more so with COVID? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. At first, I didn't like like admitting that. I kind of wanted to give myself all the credit, but I don't actually think it would have grew as quickly as it did without like COVID or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the timing was like, kind of like the stars aligned. Like it was yeah. kind of meant to be, obviously, like if not, if not got on with your last few jobs, uh, your pregnancy didn't go as well as you hoped. And yeah. I was and then I guess that was like the catalyst and things started to change and I literally oh yeah I always say like I look at Elias and I just think I wouldn't have you know without having him I wouldn't have my second baby I guess like the business is like my other pride and joy but without him it wouldn't exist so yeah like Jamal said without although everything else before that didn't feel like it was going right once that kind of happened it kind of all aligned perfectly um but yeah the the pandemic and COVID just really helped me, I guess. Um, once we moved into this house in Gloucester, that's when I was able to really like maximize on what I could. So living in the Forest of Dean, obviously my customer, where well, who I could outreach wasn't as great. So 
when I well when we was living here more people could come and collect or at that point I couldn't do collections because of obviously the pandemic but I could go and deliver to people more locally so I was a bit more accessible which was good mm -hmm. um, and yeah kind of just through the beauty of like Instagram and social media I was able to grow so I was I would like bake everything on a Sunday evening and then Mondays I would just go out and deliver whilst Elias would sleep in the back in the car seat all around Gloucester and that was at the very start of the pandemic um it, it's just crazy the amount of people that wanted cookies and brownies because they couldn't get them from like other cafes because they were closed I was like yeah god's gift at that point yeah it sounds amazing because you literally did grab like this opportunity with both hands and yeah, I did, it, yeah. Sounds, it sounds amazing um and I really want to show the other side as well so I want to know like so you made your first sell. You had no idea what you were doing. Yeah. So, like, as the demand grew, like, what obstacles did you face? Like, did you end up changing the packaging straight away? Like, what did you what did you do? Like, like as you started getting into more regular deliveries and things like that. Yeah. So again, with the packaging, you like realized things weren't working. So accessing things as well because deliveries were so delayed so I I remember trying to get like boxes in time with like as, as the demand was growing boxes would be late so I'd have to like get Jamal to run around bookers and like go and find boxes for me um and then apologize to people because cookies were in pizza boxes because deliveries at that point were like ridiculous um just moving into a new house I was like trying to suss out the oven like because I had this like demand but we was like trying to bake in a new oven so that was really difficult like trying to get I know it doesn't sound difficult but it is like trying to get your cookies to bake perfectly um yeah and just having a baby really trying to do that around him Jamal was working from home at that point so I'd like try and ask him to watch Elias but he couldn't really because he was trying to work so he was it was it was it was stressful definitely um a lot of nights in the kitchen i feel like you're gonna say something i'm smiling <laughs> no, i was gonna say about the um kinder bueno story oh yeah yeah so there was this um kinder bueno spread like really popular and everyone you could get it from morrison's that was it it was like a white chocolate hazelnut spread and it had just vanished it had gone out of stock and i had like i don't know loads of kinder bueno cookies ready to go out couldn't find this spread anywhere. I was ringing Morrison's like all around the area, couldn't get it. But I think you ended up finding it, didn't you? I sent you out on like a goose chase to go and get it. But yeah, it got, it, yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah, it got to a stage where obviously that was your pop most popular flavor and there wasn't any bueno spread available. No, the demand one, I remember one night being in the kitchen making trying to make our own spread. We did try and make it, yeah. We was yeah. blending up hazelnuts, probably waking up Elias. Did you get any, did you get, like, close? Yeah, at one point I thought we could sell this. <laughs> yeah, I'm a few, like, <laughs> like, crackheads in a crack den, like, <laughs> Yeah, like, blending yeah, it up. So many hazelnuts. Yeah, I did think at yeah. one point we could sell this, but I think we, I ended up finding a supplier online and getting it in, like, a bigger batch. So in that, even in that sense, like, I just knew we were, I was growing because I couldn't even source it from local supermarkets anymore. Um, yeah, but again like with the other side of it it was just more 
the like the late nights or the stresses it takes on you like trying to be a family and then I, I felt guilty almost that I was I was meant to be enjoying mum life but that I, I don't know it's not that that wasn't fulfilling me enough it's just that I'd kind of found this thing at, at that point in my life and I didn't want to let it go if you know what I mean because I'd, I'd searched so long for something that I enjoyed and would hopefully make me some money I, I, I knew I couldn't just stop because I had a child and it, it did work perfectly because I could kind of do it when he was napping um but yeah it was it was definitely stressful in the beginning mm-hmm. and that's an important note as well about mum guilt and and how women are in business and how they're in business or are just working in general how, how they cope with that what advice would you kind of give to other women that kind of strive to have their own business or kind of focus in their career whilst having kids yeah I think you've just got to realize that I mean at that point he was so small he didn't have a clue it's more his age now so now he's a toddler and he wants me to interact with him you've just kind of got to set you have got to set your side of time but you've got to like make a living at the same time and he understands that he will as he gets older I mean even now he'll say to me you know mummy work mummy bake um it's it's easier now he's older but I don't think you'll ever be able to get over the mum guilt I think it's just it's just a thing like you'll speak to any mum and I don't know if dads get it as much I don't know um but yeah I think I think we are slowly like getting to that point where it's becoming more common or more accepted I don't know where mums like can work and a lot more mums do work full-time um I mean, I obviously, I did end up going back to work part-time for a little period of time um, alongside the business. And that was probably like the most guilt I'd ever felt because I was baking every evening and then going to work, you know, three days a week and he'd go off to the childminders. So that's the worst like mum guilt I felt. But at that point, it was it was more so, you know, whilst he was tugging on my leg, I was like trying to get a batch of cookies out really quickly. So, yeah. yeah. But I don't think we'll ever combat it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you say that because I had a similar conversation with my wife earlier today asking her if she ever felt mum kill. And uh, she mentioned the same time period as well where she, when she started going back to work and we had to leave our son, you know, at the childminder, it was at that point where she kind of felt it. But she said yeah. to this day that she doesn't, feel that anymore um it was just that at that time she might have felt like oh I could be teaching him something or you know that type of you know I could be doing a little bit more with him as opposed to somebody else doing that for me um but she said as time kind of grew it was like no this is probably what's best for him because he needs that interaction with like other kids and, and things like that and we saw more growth in our son like during that period than we did maybe a couple of months before yeah definitely definitely and I think it's that initial because you're you're so used to spending all this time with them um I think more for me is because at that point we was all in a lockdown but whereas most people were switching off and you know kicking back I was so busy and Jamal was really busy because he was still working he didn't stop working at all it may have been from home but I think your job got even busier at one point yeah so we had like a light while our son at home with us and we're both trying to technically work full time so yeah that was more my guilt while I saw some of my friends like going out on daily strolls 
I was trying to run a business and Jamal was working. So that's where my, my guilt really hit in. I thought, gosh, should I really be doing this? Should I be soaking up the time with him instead? But I'm glad I did because it's got us, well, to where I am now. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's, a, it's an amazing journey. Um, mm. I, I, I think one thing that I would like to know as well is, uh, like, you know, how did you deal with, like, the pricing of everything? Did you always run at a profit? Were you working at a loss? Um, Definitely, yeah, within the first, I don't know, six months to a year. I'm going to be completely honest. I've never been great with, like, the whole, you know, profit loss, etc. In the beginning, I was kind of just winging it. I'm, I didn't really know. Um, but, yeah, I was probably – yeah, I was making – I was making – money um but not to the extent I knew I could be but I kind of learned that along the way you know with cheaper packaging buying things in bulk um in the beginning of the pandemic I couldn't even get flour at one point so I'd be going to corner shops where it's really pricey because that's the only place I could buy it so at that point I probably you know was running at a loss because you just couldn't get flour anywhere I remember queuing at Lidl from seven in the morning and it opened at eight just so I could get in there and get the first bag of flour <laughs> so yeah it, it that wasn't easy with trying to you know source the best places you know to make the most money but um for me honestly like I say it now obviously I do it full time so it is more so about money but when I first started doing it it really wasn't about that for me I kind of just found a hobby that people other people enjoyed and I was I was just doing it the money kind of came with it, which was, which was great. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely probably was running at a bit of a loss in the beginning. <laughs> and uh, how would you like, like, are you happy with the process that you kind of went through to kind of work, like to kind of work it into a profit now? Or is there any advice you may give to someone that could maybe like avoid some of the mistakes that you made mm. um, to kind of, you know, yeah I mean with with me again if you are looking to know it it depends what vision you're going into it with like if you kind of fall into something like I did I would I would take that journey again because it's, it's kind of got me to where I am now but if you are going into you know with it with a business mindset um you know just trying to find out you know where you can source things um more like wholesale trying to find out I don't know the cheapest packaging that you can get because you know that there's a lot more places out there than you think um and just doing your research really because I I didn't I definitely didn't I would buy stuff off eBay just because it was the quickest thing I could find rather than finding you know the the cheapest thing I could want the cheapest but you know the more more accessible it was I just I would just buy it so I didn't really go into it with the, the best approach um but again, I didn't, I didn't intend on it. So it was a bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it's, also, it's important to highlight that because when you start off running your own thing, you have no processes. No. When you're, when you're working nine to five, you've got someone that kind of puts these processes in place and you just follow how that's kind of, kind of led. So you, you ultimately start, you build your own business, you build your own processes, you learn and make just make things work whatever whatever way was possible and you you find that along the way again people try and want that that final final goal initially when they first start and it's not always attainable so yeah it's good yeah. good thing to highlight i guess 
So you, you're you're now you know effectively running this part time. Um, you're on maternity leave. Let's say now you're you know you're in the process of kind of going back into work, working full like working. Was it full time? Did you go back into working full time? I went back part time, so I went back two and a half. It was eighteen hours a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of had the conversation me and Jamal because obviously we just bought a home, um, had a mortgage to pay, so. At that point, I was I was doing okay. I was, you know, I was consistently getting orders every week. I by this point, I'd been approached by a local pizza business, and I was supplying the brownies there. So I had some like regular streams of income, but I was still a bit. I didn't know if I was ready to take the risk to do it full time. So I decided to go back to work, and I actually ended up going back into the job role that I initially done when I'd left school so the one that made me really miserable (laughs) um because I'd been approached by a company and the hours were just perfect it aligned with the child minders so you know when you're well you're a parent you take any opportunity you can that's going to work around your child so I ended up doing that um yes it was 18 hours a week so I had the start of the week off with my son and I do orders in the evenings and then I would go to work Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and end up baking in the evenings again. So I was basically baking every night just to fulfill orders and everything I could. So the job wasn't brilliant, but it was it was money to me. It was able to tie me over and it actually put me in a position where I could put more into the business, I guess, um, which which I'm glad I did. Yeah, I think I think it's really important that you said that as well is that you know some people might feel like they might have an idea and they have a hobby or whatever and it's working but it's not quite ready mm. in terms of you to go full time and you needed your 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 work to kind of help you kind of fund the the business at the same time at yeah. what point at what point did you know you were ready to kind of go I I'm going to do this full time so I, the job role I was in, um, there was a massive restructure within the company. So initially I was working as a housing support officer. So I was kind of just on the phones all day. I was the only one. So at that point, I think we'd just gone into another lockdown when I started. So I was literally the only person in my team alongside another woman in the office. And I thought, how have I ended up back here? Like I, I literally, I remember sitting one day and thinking, I've done all of this, you know, found a hobby, able to make money, and I'm back in the position I was when I was 17, not happy. So I kind of knew I wasn't happy there, but I was just ticking along because I, I knew again we had to pay a mortgage, and I was just, I was just a bit scared of the risk of being fully self-employed because I'd never really known anyone who was self-employed, and I didn't know how it was going to be so I stuck at it for nine months and then within my team there was a big restructure and the job role they'd asked me to go into I just I just kind of knew I wasn't going to do it I thought right I've got this business it's doing pretty well um I don't want to do this job I could have because I remember my manager begging me to stay um because they were really struggling for people but I just kind of thought no I'm, I'm just going to go for it um I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm unhappy for no reason 
it's not like I had to stay. So yeah, I just kind of went for it, handed in my notice, and within four weeks I was self-employed. Mm-hmm. How were those first weeks? <laughs> hey, sorry. After after you left, what was, what was the what was the feeling like the Monday after you left? Um. I didn't really feel any like different, if I'm honest. I didn't feel different because I was still running the business anyway. It just kind of felt like, oh, I didn't have to go to work this week. It was quite a nice feeling. It was like refreshing. It was like, right, I can really put my all into this now. Because I kind of felt like when I'd gone back to work part time, I just like completely fell out of love for it in a way. It kind of felt like a chore, like in the evenings. Like, I remember getting orders through and thinking, oh, not another order. Because I just, I'd been at work. And then I'd kick a, like my son up and I didn't, you know, I didn't really want to go and bake in the kitchen all night. So when I handed in my notice, I thought, right, I can f- try and find my love for it again, which I did. Um, again, with like social media, I just completely fell off because the last thing I wanted to do was, you know, post on Instagram or when I'd been at work all day. So, yeah, it was, it was good. It kind of like gave me that motivation again. Mm-hmm. yeah importantly you met, obviously you mentioned social media there and mm-hmm. I know I, I, I don't know when it was if it was then or before you introduced your website and be- before yeah. you everything through dms like yeah so what was your thought process behind that and how did you find having a website helped you initially yeah so I take all orders through dms which was crazy like I'd literally be on my phone all day it was it was awful again the mum guilt like being on my phone whilst he was trying to get my attention. So I, I think I did that for about close to a year, taking orders through DMs. And then I introduced the website, which was like a godsend. Um, I do still get inquiries over DMs, but nowhere near as what I what I used to. So yeah, that, that was really helpful, even just for like the process side of things, like being more organized, like not missing orders, because when people are DMing you, you can't keep a track of, who's paid, who hasn't. So with the website, it was very streamlined. Like I knew who had ordered, when they placed the order, how long I like I had all my FAQs on the website so they knew when they was going to receive it. Again, there was still, I made the website myself. So there were still a few like teething issues, but it, it definitely changed the game for me. Like, I knew how, did you, how, did, how did you know that you needed a website? So... Like you got all these DMs and you're thinking, oh, this is crazy. Well, did you feel like, oh, I can just answer every single DM? Like, well, at what point did you like, okay, this, the solution to this is going to be the website? I think when I was just on my phone constantly. And again, I would miss an order because I'd have so many DMs coming in and out every day. There might be one that, say, someone had paid but didn't reply. I'd miss an order and they'd turn up at the door. And I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, I had that. I had that a few times. Um, so I knew that was, you know, it's, it's time to move away from this. I can't keep running the business this way. So at that point, I, yeah, I, I decided to open up the website. Mm. It was just too messy. It was too messy, and it was, it was taking up too much of my time. I didn't, I didn't need to be sat on my phone, but I would because as soon as I got a DM, I felt like I had to answer it because I didn't want to lose the order. Whereas with the website, it was kind of up to the customer when they wanted to place it and how they did it. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. That was amazing. I I, I love the, the 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 growth. I think <laughs> the growth from me, I've seen it. I've ordered your cookies. 
I've, I, I think I do. I think I, I think every time I do it through DM, uh, obviously because I know you personally. Oh, no, that, that's fine. <laughs> to be honest, loads of people still do it through DM. <laughs> <laughs> but if you haven't tried the cookies, is is they're amazing. Uh, some of my favorites are. Um, I love birthday cake. I don't know if that's still uh, in demand, but that to me is just like... No, it's not as popular. I feel like more people need to try it, but it's not as popular. It's it's, it's, it's an amazing story. And um, I feel like there's... I still have a a few more questions because uh, I know we spoke about pricing. Um, Jamal mentioned, obviously, social media. And Mm -hmm. and obviously, it's clear that social media is like your your main marketing platform, right? Um, Do you want to tell us about some of the strategies that you use to kind of help, you know, uh, build demand and promote your, your, your products and services? I think I'm still learning. Definitely. Like I'm, I'm very lucky. I have Jamal as well. Um, Just being consistent for me. I think just being consistent. One thing I've found like recently is just being active on your social media I find when I have a period of not being active and not posting anything my orders weirdly you you notice the change like my orders will dip I find it I've, I I say this to Jamal all the time but I really don't like social media so it's difficult for me because I I don't enjoy it but I know I need it because I wouldn't have had a business without Instagram like I say it all the time without Instagram treats by tea probably wouldn't exist and it's a scary thought but which is this is why I'm kind of glad I got the website and I knew I needed the website because I couldn't solely depend on you know a social media page to run my business especially going full-time um but yeah strategies to be honest I'm still learning like for me it's just being consistent on you know on your socials um and keeping your audience engaged with what you're doing um reels I know at the moment is like what everyone is about I'm trying like I really am but <laughs> I find it's harder than it looks to me anyway it, it definitely is I I say this to most clients as well because some people just have the perception of social media like it's just really simple because they might have their own personal Instagram and they mm. think they could just post as do however they want then when you have consistency and a strategy um it makes everything a lot easier it is a lot of work to do because yeah. after you've done baking especially if it's just you maybe jamal might be helping you as well but if it's all you and you're just a one-man band or one woman band in this case it's a it's a very taxing job like mm-hmm. you're baking you're you're still a mom full-time um and you got to post to come up with content you know how how are you gonna like what you're gonna come up with you gotta write calendars and all these different things there might be more than one uh social media platform that you use are you using other platforms outside of instagram so i do use facebook but not as intensely so i kind of have it linked to my instagram so that helps um but yeah no apart from that it's just just instagram and facebook really Mm-hmm. okay interesting have you yeah. are you considering opening up to other platforms and um, it, playing around with it yeah not at this point I think because I can't even keep on top of what I've got um like you said like it's just it's difficult because you do everything comes to the end of the day and you realize you haven't even posted something so that's what I'm really trying to get in the habit of doing really um yeah, but yeah, amazing and um 
outside of like your website and social media, have you tried any other types of marketing, whether it be email marketing, uh, adverts or anything like that? Yeah, so I did a few um, like Facebook ads. Just I haven't I haven't done them in a while to be honest. But yeah, so Jamal actually helped me with that because I, if I'm honest, I don't know what I'm doing. So he could probably speak more on how well it did. But I just kind of noticed the orders coming in more than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've apart from that, I did I did say like I want to try and get you know a bit more old school and like kind of go into more cafes and things like that with my with my bakes. Because um, I feel like we're kind of losing touch of, like, personal interaction now. Like, I remember when I used to get, well, I still get flyers through the door of people's businesses. And we we don't do that anymore, do we? It's, it's all online. And it does scare me a bit because it's kind of like, if I didn't have this, then would I have a business? Mm. So I, I would like to. I think this year, like, trying to get my name out there a bit more personally is, is my aim. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. I guess your your markets come into that as well. That can Your be markets, seen as, yeah. as a type of marketing. Instead of having like a physical pop up. I always yeah. I forget about that because it's like once a week. So yeah, I obviously I do the market at Swindon every Sunday, and that's that's been really good. Um, even just to have like my gazebo with my social media, I kind of notice at the end of the day I've like gained a few followers from people who have just seen that. So. That that has that has been really good, and it's it's really nice getting to know your customers or just having that personal interaction, um, and without ha- having to have a shop or anything. So, the the market is good. Um, I would like to get into a few more markets in the future, but we'll just see how this one goes for now. If you mentioned the the gazebo, and obviously your branding's all over that. Mm-hmm. Was that like a a conscious? When did like branding? And, and marketing become like a conscious thought of yours. So I know just, just yeah. knowing the, the the business and where it's come from. Um, I probably think like... Sorry, I lost you then. Um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, I think like um, six months in. So when I had when I had my initial brand like logo, it was a picture of me. And I just remember thinking, like, I don't, I don't like this. So I kind of like set everything. I changed everything. I got someone to do my logo, what it is now. Um, just somebody local, actually. She was, she was really good. She was really helpful. Um, yeah. So that's when it first like hit me, like consciously, like I want everything to look a bit more professional. So with the gazebo, my main intention was just to try and get the name out there as big and bright as possible. I guess. Um, yeah so social media everywhere kind of like put it in people's faces because i yeah i just want people to notice it straight away before they even see the product sometimes i want them to see the brands just so they can get a gauge of what it is even with your box sorry just quickly even with your boxes as well mm. i know the cost of that was was pretty heavy yeah how did you feel about like making that decision and at what stage did you feel like that was the right one to make I think I kind of knew that I was getting to a place where I was doing a lot more online orders. So my my orders were going out to people all over the UK. So I wanted something that kind of stood out a bit more. Um, I'd ordered off other small businesses at this point because, you know, you kind of get into like a Instagram 
I don't know, you just end up connecting with loads of people in small businesses and I'd ordered from them and their boxes were a lot more personal. So I thought, oh, maybe this is something I should invest in. And it's probably been one of my best investments because I always get compliments on the branding. I think it makes people come back a bit more if, you know, they get something that looks a bit more professional or, I don't know, tidier. So, yeah, I think, again, it just comes with growth. I just knew I was at a point where I wanted everything to look a bit more professional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I guess that, like what you just said there, like growth, um, I can see that is 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 something that is um, obviously has helped you. You had to grow. You had to learn about branding. I'm assuming you didn't know anything about branding, marketing, social media, accounting, things like these things that are um, probably all different like things that you have to learn when you're like going full time, you're self employed. Um, in terms of like the accounting side of things, how have you found that like knowing your numbers? Is that still something you're learning? Do you feel like it's been a real struggle? Like, how did you find it? Um, struggle. I was. <laughs> I said to Jamal because I um, so I have a I have QuickBooks. So that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like an online accountant. Um, <laughs> yeah, literally, literally. Um, without that, I'd I'd be all over the place. I'm not very like number orientated anyway. So yeah, I've just learned as I've. I've gone on a lot of googling I've been in touch with accountants so I've had like um, I've worked with someone closely who really helped me within the past year kind of get up to date with everything but now I'm starting to try and take it into my own hands because I've realized I, I need to know my numbers I can't run a business especially fully self-employed and not know what's coming in and out so again it was just it was just learning for myself um, and it is difficult it is really difficult because the last thing you want to do after baking, packaging, sending out an order, social media is then go and look at your finances. It's like the last thing you want to do. But I'm just trying to force it on myself to get a hold of it. So I actually did like a massive tidy up last night and this morning of everything. Because um, I obviously do quite a lot of transactions with ingredients and stuff. So I just want to keep on top of it now but again it was literally just learning along with like business growing mm. interesting that's good and um with, with that I forgot what my next question was going to be now but um with uh like you learning accounting and everything now you're still kind of are you still in this mindset of like i'm going to be a one man ba well one woman band i still gotta keep, keep saying that um <laughs> Have you ever thought about kind of expanding the team, working alongside support? Obviously, I know you got support with Jamel, um, mm -hmm. but maybe like an intern or whoever. Someone just having like a someone who can like you can delegate something to that will allow you to kind of grow to that next step. Yeah, I would love to. I've I've spoken about it with um, obviously the markets. I'd love to like go to more but it's just me at the moment so I, I think in the future yeah I would love to get someone on board who'd be willing to attend that for me um with regards to the baking I mean at this point I'm just trying to really stretch myself to like the absolute limit and I think then I will consider maybe taking people on 
but at the moment I don't think I'm quite in the position to um just more with space than anything because I'm still I'm still doing everything from home but you know it's it's definitely something I want to do in the future if I could expand um but yeah more so with the markets I think if I could get my name out there even more I'd need the help with it so yeah it's it's definitely in the run up amazing amazing and um i guess my my kind of final question is where do you see treats by tea in like five years time like where's the end goal is it like physical shops is it physical cafes are you gonna enter the metaverse like no. <laughs> what's the what's the what's the what's your where's where's your vision i don't i always i always like these questions I never know how to answer because with like where it is now, I never even envisioned this. I've kind of just always gone with the flow. Um, I think now where I'm at a more stable point, I do really need to think about it. But again, it's just, uh, do you know what would be, I, I used to think a shop, um, but because of where we live, I just, you know, it's quite a small town. So I'd, well, city, I don't know if it would do as well as I'd like to envision it. So I think it's markets for me. I'd love to have, you know, treats by tea, doing loads of little markets at the weekend, um, you know, interacting more personally, maybe five to 10 years a shop, but not anytime soon, I don't think. Um, I think markets for me would be would be the way forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just have to see, I guess, I don't know. That's I'm just kind of going with the flow. <laughs> Oh, it's good. I, I, I like the fact that you do go with the flow as well. And I guess a, another question I can pose as well, like obviously you go with the flow, but do you, is there anyone out there, any businesses out there that you might use as like an act of, a, of, of being a mentor? Like, is there anything out there that you kind of look and you're like, okay, I'm going to go like in this direction because I've seen this business has gone in this direction or this mm -hmm. baker has gone in this direction? Yeah, definitely. I mean, my whole Instagram, I've just got people that are really inspiring to me um, that I follow. Um, I would love to get my own unit where I could bake from. So I've thankfully been in the position where we've just finished off an outdoor summer house where I've converted into a kitchen. So I've got my own little workspace. But even putting all of my stuff into there, I've realised that may not be enough space in a few months. So... Yeah if I could get my own like unit where I could bake from um, and potentially have, well, have it be a place where I could open up on the weekend and people could come and buy, buy stuff. Cause I've seen other bakers. That's, that's mainly the way they go now rather than like just a physical shop. Um, if you can get your own kitchen unit and then potentially sell from there. But I don't know. I'm just, again, like I'll just see where it goes. I'm, it's, it's hard enough as it is like trying to run it and be a mum and sustain everything else. So I'm just grateful for where it is. I, I never ever thought I'd be in a position where I'd be doing this full time when I first put up a cookie on Instagram. So, yeah. Uh, it's an amazing journey, man. Amazing, sto amazing story. Uh, and yeah, you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. Like, so like we see, I see you anyway. I've seen the growth from, from nothing to this now and yeah. the fact that you know even interviewing you now is a is a great thing and um obviously you're always welcome to be on on the channel whenever you want um so you're obviously more than welcome um 
you know, every every week, me and Jam, we do this. We do like a a hot seat question. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so normally we aim it towards like yourself and and us the host, but this one we're just gonna aim it towards you. So uh, mm-hmm. it should pop up on the screen now. So, do your followers like you for you, or do they like you for what you do? What I do. <laughs> <laughs> like half the people don't care what's, who's behind the screen they just want the brownies or the cookies I can answer that yeah <laughs> um, do you yeah. recognise that not even a single portion of like your followers who are like, are like yeah no I, I say that but I do actually have like a lot of mums that follow me or um, a lot of other bakers so I, I'm in touch with a lot of other small business owners and you know we'll we'll conversate quite often so yeah I'm, I mean I'm sure there is a small percentage that are interested in me or like me for me but again it's, it's definitely the product <laughs> yeah of course the brownies are amazing yeah <laughs> that's a good one all right good man I like that I like that a lot uh Jam I don't know you got any any other questions I guess I think we might be backtracking but I guess in terms of what, what keeps you motivated I know obviously being so close to the business and close to you I know like each week has its own problems and its own issues from postage to running out of stock to bakes gone wrong what kind of keeps you like on track or how, how do you find staying motivated throughout all of that because it's not just a journey that just goes up and everything's great and plain sailing you have down days down weeks down months that you have to kind of struggle with and get by yeah so what kind of keeps you motivated throughout i think just seeing where i am now um and just seeing the growth like before having the kitchen like outside it was seeing how many orders were coming in or when i did have that bad week having customers message me and say how amazing that order was so with all those i think we kind of normally focus on the negatives so that one negative comment amongst the hundreds of amazing comments you focus on that negative whereas now I'm more trying to focus on the positives so yeah there, there has been a lot of, of ups and downs definitely but I think it's just seeing where you are and focusing on how you've got there and why you're doing it and it, it, it makes me happy I guess it's like my other little little baby so yeah you're watching it grow and grow yeah and grow. yeah no it's amazing it is good no, i love that i love that i love that um yeah i don't know where to take it next i don't know should we <laughs> should we wrap it up jam yeah no happy man i think it's been it's been a good episode it's been it's been good for me just to hear your story and and hear it from myself because i don't think I've actually gone but through you're there you're there for all the all the bad times yeah. <laughs> when someone's turned up and I don't know I forgot their order or I don't know there's been, there's been a few incidents but that's, yeah that's also a talking point as well like I know you personally and how you take that type of stuff and it can be tough on you and uh, it's been good to see how you kind of flip that on its head and you've turned some of your like customers that have been disappointed into your your best customers that come in yeah. from you quite often so yeah, it's just been good. It's been good to see that growth, like personally, as well as your growth throughout the business. And it's been I, yeah, I will, Julian, Julian. Sorry. yeah. I was just gonna say I'll shout you out because 
half the times I've been in those moods, you've been there to deal with it and look after Elias. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good, man. And yeah, like to be fair, like Jamal, you deserve your flowers as well because um even some of the parts of Tanika's story where she's talking about, you know, her ups and her downs, and it's like you have been there to be her rock and at those times and like it's it's testament to who you are as a person that you know you can support your other half's dreams as well as you know push for your own as well and you're you're keeping your family together you're you're encouraging her to you know take the opportunity like she had the battle specifically where um you know you you're about to sell your first cookie and you're about to go away on holiday with your family and your family's telling you just leave it just leave it but you know Jamal's there to say no no you have to take this opportunity do you know yeah. what I mean and that's what that's helped you sell your first cookie and to see that from like that was back then to where you are now like if you didn't if he didn't do that what would have happened like oh, no. <laughs> do you know what I mean so yeah man credit to you Jamal as well we can see that you you have a, such a good support system together uh, as as well as raising your son as well so it's really good. So you both deserve your flowers in this because it's it's definitely a team effort here. Yeah, definitely, definitely. All those so, nights as well, like go. Cool. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. So, um, Tanika, where can they find you? Tell her, you know, drop all your the the socials, the websites. Where 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 can the people connect with you and you know yeah. all of their cookies? So Instagram is underscore underscore treats by T. And then the website is www.treats-byt.com. And I post all over the UK. You can also collect if you are local to Gloucester. I don't know if many will be. But, yeah, that's that's where you can find the goods. Um, amazing, yeah. amazing, amazing, amazing. I've ordered cookies. Uh, I'm based in London. I've ordered cookies. They come safe and sound uh i've had no issues so i'm a very have very happy happy customer so if you're hesitant to like to order cookies from wherever if you're from any kind of distance from gloucester don't be hesitant and just go out and and try these cookies because they are amazing and made with love as well so good yes i'm happy <laughs> all right um that is the social living podcast um we out <laughs> thank you for having me Bye.